If you want to make your favorite technicals, give me Gizmo Gang a call. Gizmo Sapiens. Hey, and welcome to Gizmo Sapiens Show 205. We're going to call this one Blandroid and Wind Blows. And can you guess what it's about? I'm Chris, and with me today is... I am Matt. And uh, so there's some things coming up in, in the month of February here that uh, will be interesting from the Windows 11 front. The public preview of, of Android apps within Windows 11 is, is becoming available. Um, that meaning that the feature it will be in beta, but it will be available so that you can start playing with Android apps on Windows 11. Um, the downside is that it only uses the Amazon uh, Android App Store, not the, the Google Play, although evidently there are some workarounds because you could play with it prior, but it would be like an alpha version if you're using the Windows Insider preview builds. Um, I typically don't run <clears throat> alpha on anything on Windows because that's just asking for trouble. Um, so that's interesting. They also are redesigning the Notepad and the Media Player apps within Windows 11. Now, I had been reading about this because the Notepad app is supposed to become kind of like Windows Terminal replaced the command prompt and became more of a real terminal app like it is in Mac OS X and in Linux. Uh, and there's some neat things you can do with the new terminal app, like uh, I have Windows Linux subsystem installed on um, my Surface Go laptop, and I can right-click and I can tell it to give me either a Windows command prompt, a PowerShell, or to start the Windows subsystem for Linux, because uh, I use Ubuntu in that, and uh, give me a Linux terminal, which is really kind of cool. And I have it default set up so that when I hit it, it gives me a Linux ter terminal, because most of the time, that's what I need. Not I'm not a PowerShell guy. <laughs> um, but I'd been reading about the, the Notebook app for a while, because uh, it's going to actually do Unix-like text as opposed to the Windows-like text. It's always been an issue is that there was always a control character in, in um, Notepad that you had to go in and correct on the Unix side if you were going to take a text file from Notepad and, <coughs> and use it on, uh, on you know, Unix, Linux-based systems. Right. Uh, that became really big when uh, you had to deal with... Uh, Cisco, you're building uh, ACL list or whatever because you typically do that in a notepad and and then you uh, copy it into your terminal. And uh, sometimes it would leave an extra uh, carriage return which would blow the whole thing up <laughs> or a control character. I don't know what they're doing with the media player app. Uh, a lot of the things is just because Windows 11 wants to copy Mac OS X even more. Um, the corners of the windows are now rounded <laughs> and so a lot of it is wrapped around redesigning the apps so they have rounded windows. But welcome to the Windows. And, and actually, I, I will say this. Um, while I don't find Windows as productive as Mac OS X or a good Linux desktop, um, for the most part, and now this is my experience, and I tend to run Windows machines with very little third-party software, only stuff that I truly need and and trust like I run FileZilla which is an open source I run uh, CDXP burn which is a, a uh, 
burning disk burning utility for using an external CD-ROM, DVD-ROM. Um, those I you know I trust and and they work. Uh, but outside of of uh, Microsoft Edge and Office, I and and Microsoft's own developer tools, I don't run too much outside of Windows on a Windows machine. I do run. I will say this. Uh, I do run uh, VMware Player, but again, you get that from a trusted source. Uh, but on my desktop, where I can do much more stuff, I don't even run VMware Player. I run Hyper-V. Um, it just their their virtualization engine works better on Windows than any third party. And I would run VirtualBox if I couldn't run VMware. So, uh, but I, I'm not one of these people. The other thing I try not to do is I don't. I'm not one of these people who like tries applications, and then removes them. Windows still has the flaw of having a single flat file database called the registry that loads drivers and everything else in it. And the more you, the, the way you can make that, and it's loaded completely in memory. So the more, the bigger that thing gets and it's not compressible. So even if you unload something that gets added to the registry, the file remains the same, takes the same amount of memory. Um, you can make your machine very unstable because, and that, that's why for years, it has been, I mean, and when I say for years, I mean 30 years, it's been, hey, if your machine's running slow, back up your data and rebuild it from scratch. Because what does that do? Freeze up memory that makes everything run faster because it makes that registry smaller. And how do you keep the registry smaller? Don't install a whole bunch of stuff you don't need. Well, and that's why it was so, uh, so important to, uh, when you bought a machine, uh, if you bought it from like a micro center, you they load it with all that crapware. Yeah. Well, and you, you know, my Windows desktops I tend to build from scratch, so they never get crapware loaded on them. And I, although Dell makes a very nice machine, and I I love the Dell XPS 13 and 15, um, and I would have one. They come preloaded with crapware, so the first thing I have to do is then do a complete Windows reinstall, and it's just not worth the time for me. So I buy surfaces, because unfortunately Microsoft doesn't put any of the crapware on their own products. The downside is, and this is the thing I'm finding right now, I have my Surface Go is is a tenth generation i5, which means it's only a generation off of what is being currently sold. Because I did go out to look and see if you could buy a twelfth gen. Um, Windows machine so that I'd have something that was on par with my M1 Max, MacBook Pros, you know, at least same generation. Right. And you can't. Even at Dell, the XPS 13 and XPS 15 are uh, 11th gen, and I went and looked at Lenovo, who I used to love ThinkPads. Me too. Um, and they do make a traditional ThinkPad now. Um, it's a little pricey. Of course. Uh, but I was looking at that because I thought, oh, you know, at least you can drop it down a flight of stairs and it'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they're, the, those machines are on 11th gen, you know, and it's like, okay, so all this talk of, of uh, Intel and its 12th gen stuff and nobody is selling a 12th gen product except like gaming laptop makers and stuff like that who, who uh, I don't want to pay that premium for, for what I need a Windows laptop. But my Surface Go, the problem with it is it maxes out at 8 gig of RAM, which I have an 8 gig of RAM model. I really would like to have 16 gig of RAM because then I could do some of the workload that I do on my Windows desktop could then be moved to my laptop and I could do that work wherever I'm at. 
And that's one of the reason I don't even have a, a Mac desktop because an M1 Max is an M1 Max, whether it's in a desktop or a laptop, I can do anything I need to do on that machine wherever I go. And, um, and really, I could do 90% of what I needed on that Go if I could have 16 gig of RAM, just eight gig of RAM, just so I could run virtualization and, and uh, keep, because one of my problems is, I, I, part of my job is to do a lot of research on technology. And, and when I'm doing that, I will have, you know, a browser with 150 tabs open. And I'll keep those tabs open for days and weeks and months at a time because I need to go back and reference them. A lot of times it's some of its reference material, you know, you're you're looking at uh, install documentation for this piece of software or that piece of software in an enterprise environment. Though so it's not like those are small PDF files. Right. And eight gig of RAM just doesn't do it for me. Even though, you know, you have a swap file and it's on SSD and, and my Surface Go has an NVMe SSD, which is nice, but still it's just not not convenient. The good thing about that Surface Go laptop, though, is it is tiny. I can keep it in my MacBook Pro and my iPad and have a complete you know, mobile data center with me whenever I need to go somewhere and not, not be lugging around 40, gear, 40 pounds worth of gear. But it is what it is. But let's move on to the bigger thing I want to talk about. And it's actually a concept. Sorry, I'm eating a piece of candy because I'm addicted to candy. <laughs> Some people are addicted to cocaine, methamphetamine, fentanyl, alcohol. Sugar. Don't talk to me about sugar. You got the good stuff, you know. The confectionery sugar. <laughs> None of that caster sugar crap. Okay. So, um, this uh, journalist named Aaron Gordon, he is complaining about, um, not quite three years ago, he bought the Pixel 3 okay. from Google, which is their, was their flagship Android phone at the time. Right. Chose it because it was Google. Yeah. You know, Google promised that, hey, we're going to support and, and update this phone and you won't have to wait for the carriers or or anybody else because it'll be it'll give you that premium experience like you get from apple on an iphone well he says he's dropped it a bunch and it didn't break it was durable it was it was well made um battery life has not noticeably changed since he's had it um but he makes a good point and it's a point that i make a lot of times about computers and and when i talk about like Linux and Mac versus Windows, or Mac versus Linux and Windows, or whatever. But to, a lot, to most people who are not technologists like I am, a computer is a tool. I, I always say a tool, but he, he calls it an appliance. It's like your kitchen stove. You go in there, you turn it on, it works. It heats up food and you turn it off and you're done. He's talking about his phone is an appliance. He feels no attachment to it as long as it keeps fulfilling his need. He doesn't need to upgrade. You don't go and because Samsung put a new refrigerator out and you go get a new refrigerator every year. I imagine there are some people who do that, but I bet it's a lot far fewer people than who upgrade their phone um, 
And he said the Pixel 3 fulfills his needs, so he doesn't want to spend $600 on a Pixel 6, which seems to be just another phone that does phone things. It's an appliance. It does the same things that his Pixel 3 does. He says he has to get rid of his Pixel 3 because Google has stopped supporting the Pixel 3. And even though it's only three years old, because he's not going to receive any more Android updates, it means any security vulnerability since the last update available on the Pixel 3 puts him at risk, meaning it, you know, the appliance no longer fulfills his need. So consequently, he's switching to iPhone because at least, even, at least Apple uh, supports the current iOS all the way back to the iPhone 6S, which is more than a six-year-old phone at this point. He says that's still not great, but it's still a lot longer than the three years that Google is supporting the Pixel. And, you know, and again, Google made the argument that, hey, we're going to support this long term. You don't have to go through carriers. You don't have to do, you know, whatever to get, uh, you know, these updates. And so his big argument is that um, from a sustainability perspective, perspective, there is no reason to ever buy an Android phone. Now, I've said that for different reasons because the majority, so typically, like, I don't know how long Samsung supports their high-end phones, which is, when I've had Android phones, because I've had a few, all of mine have always been Samsung. I wouldn't, I, I, the, I thought the Pixels were cool, but, you know, the same, I could always get, like, the a flagship Samsung phone for less than I could get yeah. the Google Pixel. Exactly. Um, but I've never, since the Android phone has never been my main phone, it was always like we would buy one for development and yeah, we'd have, we'd put service on it and use it. Uh, but because in development situations, we're trying to develop high-end applications, you know, we weren't keeping these phones for three years even. If, if they were more than two years old, we were getting a new one because we needed to develop either for the most current version of Android, but also for the most power we could get out of it. Right. And uh, so I don't know how long they support those. I'm assuming they support them at least for three years. These, I mean, they're flagship phones. Um, you know, they, they cost as much as iPhones, top-of-the-line iPhones do. Um, well, I mean, even uh, but even their lower-end phones, I, I was able to... Well, I mean, you know how I am. With well, I had tech. a... J, I mean, for a while, we were developing an app that needed to go on... Uh, something that was the Galaxy J3S or whatever, yeah. which was not a flagship phone. It was right. just kind of their middle-of-the-line phone. Yeah. We did have that one for quite a while because we we were using it for uh, fixing bugs. And they supported that phone forever. And they supported that phone for a long time. But that being said, I've always, most people buy whatever is free or as close to free as possible from a carrier. Yep. And for the most part, if you want to sell um, a smartphone, because there's... An, and, you almost, unless you buy a prepaid phone, you almost can't get a flip phone, you know, dumb phone anymore. True. Um, the, uh, those phones are already, if they're not out of date with the day you buy them, they may only have six to nine months of, of software updates and life left in them. Um, and I don't say it from the sustainability perspective because... Uh, which I, which is why I bring this up because he's right. You know, if if you've got a phone, um, 
that's only going to last you for um, a year or two. And, and it's the same argument I have about the low-end Windows laptop market. You know, you, you know the, the people who, who go in at a, on Black Friday and they buy a you know, $100 Windows laptop. And then they go the next Black Friday and they go buy another $100 Windows laptop because the one they had from the previous year is so slow. And some people do it every two years, but I don't know anybody who does it. You know, when typically when I buy a piece of hardware, even if I don't use it for more than a year because I needed something that goes faster, that piece of hardware gets recycled to a family member or somebody else at the office or, you know, and, and that goes for whatever platform I'm running, whether that's Mac OS, Windows, whatever. I, I try not to buy the bottom end of something because particularly Windows machines, I don't tend to... Uh, I tend to keep them from a long, for a long time, you know, at least three or four years. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure why this, you know, in the era of sustainability, why this market still exists. And far more people have cell phones than they do computers today. Although with the work at home movement, the, the PC market has uh, grown incredibly. So like your thoughts on that. What do you think, Matt? Well, I mean, I I am one of those people who tends to buy low-end tech and then... But you keep it forever. Well, and that that's my point. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the antithesis of what this guy's mm-hmm. trying, the point he's trying to make. I, I guess it's because I'm, I'm aware of what drags these machines down, and I try not to do that. You know, but if you're not one of those people who are well, I mean, tech there, savvy enough to is, understand that. There is a big difference, though, between like a low-end laptop. Windows doesn't stop giving updates for many years for low-end computer hardware. But a phone company or a phone manufacturer, they will quit making updates for a cell phone, which, again, far more people are likely to have a, a uh, smartphone, even a low-end smartphone, than they are a computer that that isn't going to re- get updates you know but i mean even if you're talking about a phone rather than a computer so like my work phone is yeah. is an iphone 5 you know why i i could have turned this in and gotten an 11 or you know something yeah. you know significantly newer but i've held on to it because it works for one and two it has it has a headphone jack where the new phones don't uh, I mean, so, I mean, there's there's reasons to stick around with some of the older tech if it still works. Yeah. Um, but that's just it. It still well, works. My question is If this. I had trouble, I would... With, I mean, because there's a lot of people who will root cell phones, and they're, particularly on the Android side, mm-hmm. um, the problem is, is the, the old, or the newer the phone, the harder it is to root. They've gotten much more savvy, like... Samsung has a way to hardware lock your phone so you can't break it, you know. Um, I mean, Apple still fights people who jailbreak iOS, but you don't find people loading whole other operating systems on iPhones typically. Should there, in the, you know, the whole idea of right to repair or sustainability, <coughs> and I am not a person who wants the government to create regulation, but should there be some stipulation that you know, if you decide, if you're not no longer actively supporting a piece of technology, should the open source community be able to go in and build their own 
system to run on that hardware, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yes. You, know, you uh, don't have to help them. I would support that. I would, too. You don't have to help them as a company. You don't have to go and go, well, here's all of our, our yeah. stuff. But you can't do anything to hinder them. You can't, you know, say that they're doing a DCMA. But at, at, at that point, though, is it not in the company's best interest to support the community? I mean, as a it, goodwill it gesture. Is. It is. Um, I mean, I, I almost see a, an Apple doing that over, say, Android. But Oh, I do, too. I absolutely do, too. Um, Part of it is cultural. Most of yeah. the, I mean, Apple is an American company building. They may manufacture in Asia, but they're still an American company who uses Western European values and, and Western society values. Um, whereas, uh, I mean, there is a there there are some huge cultural differences. We tend not to we, we tend to gloss over uh, between just the thought processes of, between Asia and the United States. You know. Um, and one of those would be that why would I ever help, you know, help you? You should just buy a new a new phone. Yeah. I could say a lot more about that, but I. Well, I I think you, yeah you've said enough there. I mean I. I mean going back to like Japanese car culture. I mean it's. It's it's throwaway technology. They yeah. expect you to buy a new car every so many years, months, whatever. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Well, you know, and and definitely, the U.S. has changed the Japanese automaker. Um, yeah. Look at Toyota now. Yeah. You know. Well, even, I mean, those are that, that's almost an American car. Well, they are. Well, every Toyota sold in the United States is an American car. It was right. Built from. From a lot of parts that were manufactured in America in an American assembly plant by Americans for the American market. I mean, exactly. So, well, let us know. Do you think that you know sus, uh, these throwaway this throwaway technology is a sustainability issue? I, I don't even wonder if a lot of people think, but I think of it that way. I'm aware of e-waste and and all of that um, just because of the nature of my business uh, outside of podcasting, but. Uh, you know, as a consumer, particularly of Android phones, we want to know. So give us a uh, uh, some feedback at gizmosapiens at gmail.com, and we'll see you on the digital flip side. We out. You've been listening to Gizmo Sapiens, a technology and entertainment podcast. You can reach us at our email address at gizmosapiens at gmail.com. That's G-I-Z-M-O-S-A-P-I-E-N-S at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you, and we'll see you next week from the digital flip side.